We're in this series we're actually wrapping up called Happyology. And the idea behind it is the scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so uh, our strength as Christians or as a believer comes from our level of joy in our life. Or uh, we kind of talk about the idea of happiness uh, through the last couple weeks. And next week, I'm going to talk about the difference between joy, being joyful, and just being happy. Um, There's a difference in the two. But uh, the scripture, as you heard me say earlier, says that God came to give us life and to give it to us better or abundantly is one way. And so God's design is for you to be happy, is for you to live uh, a blessed life and to be somebody who uh, finds strength from being joyful. And and, um, and so we'll look at the difference in, in our last week next week, but um, we've gone through it kind of looking at the ideas of first week we talked about how our joy you won't find, you won't fill the void in your heart or in your life without a relationship with God. It all starts with being in a relationship with God or having God uh, as Lord of your life. That's where true happiness comes from. And then, of course, last week, uh, we got into it a little bit more, and I won't debrief into a lot of that, but we're here now talking about this idea, I believe, that you can give back uh, happiness. I think a lot of times in our life, anytime we've lost our joy, the joy of the Lord, or we've lost sort of that burning thing on the inside of us that that is God's design for us, uh, the way that we should live. Or I think a lot of times if you trace it back, we're the ones who surrendered that. We're the ones who's made some choices that have cost us or that you get kind of tangled up in this thing and you look back and you're like, man, if I wouldn't have done that. And um, that's why the scripture says the, the steps of the, the righteous are ordered of the Lord because God wants you walking into a certain place and when we step outside of that, I mean, there's effects, obviously. I don't have to get into that. And so today I want to talk specifically about this idea of how we give back uh, our joy or happiness or how we surrender or how we give up. Um, Because nobody wakes up and is like, you know, I feel like these next couple weeks I'm going to get into a real stretch of stress and depression. And like, I really want to just have a good run of that for three weeks, right? No, we all all are striving uh, to, to have joy and to live happy and um, some of us make mistakes and get off course and decide to live in Michigan, and we have like three or four months of winter. And, um, and so anyway, and so there's a few things I want to look at here in Scripture that kind of point out how we sort of throw up or how we surrender, or how we get rid of happiness or the joy. And um, I want to call this sermon Prison Places. Prison Places. I think a lot of times in our life, we enter ourselves into prison places where we get trapped or caught in places that have us imprisoned or have us stuck. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. Another translation says it like this, Many are the afflictions or obstacles of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. And so I want to right off the bat say this, there's no such thing as like a perfect life and a perfect day every day. Um, I don't want you to think, well, if I was living right and if I I would have a perfect day every day, it's not the case because it says even here, there's afflictions that happen to the righteous. Right standing with God, the righteous. In our walk, we live in a fallen world where, um, you know, sin has entered and death and all this stuff. And so there's going to be days where you have afflictions. And so... um, we need to know that off the bat, that there is no perfect every day. There is no perfect every part of life. But it does promise you this, that the Lord can deliver you from all of the afflictions or obstacles in your life. So it's not, well, we have a devil and we have an enemy and we're going to have bad days and it is what it is. 
No, you're not supposed to be stuck or imprisoned in those days because the scripture promises that the Lord can deliver you from that, amen? So I want to say off this off the bat, a lot of times what we do, and I'm already doing it right now by saying, well, no, I'm including myself, so that's okay. What we do is we sit in church and we hear a sermon, and a lot of times when you're hearing it, we go this, oh, this would be good for so-and-so. So-and-so needs to hear that. Oh, that's just like they, they would do it, right? And so and today, this sermon is not for anybody else but you. Like I'm actually talking just about you today. <laughs> so I want you to put on the mindset that what I'm talking about is not for anybody else. It's only for you, which is all of us. So somebody say amen. <laughs> but for real, I want us to have this mindset of like what, what we're talking about this morning. We all deal with it. We all have to work at overcoming it. And this is something that if we gain these tools and we put these things into practice, we can be delivered from all our obstacles. Amen. So here's the deal. I'm going to go fast in the beginning and then I'll kind of wrap it up in the end with some practical take home. So just kind of hang on with me. But the scripture says we all face afflictions and the Lord can deliver us from them. And we all know this cliche stuff like your greatest victories will come from your greatest obstacles. And there's truth. That's all truth. And we all know that in order to, before you can have your testimony, you have to have a test and those all make good bumper stickers and preaching material. And, uh, we, we all love that. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to come over my, op- overcome my obstacle. I'm going to be great and all this kind of stuff. And we all say, I want to live in miracle territory. I want to trust God. I want to be a miracle person and, and I want to see miracles in my life. But the problem is in order to have a miracle, you have to be okay standing in the impossible. So it's like, I want to be a miracle. I want to be a, I want the fire of God and I want to see revival. We use all these big, really things. And then when you get in a situation where it requires the fire of God to happen in your life, to bring breakthrough, we all try to run from that and avoid like, oh gosh, the obstacles. And so it's one thing to say, I understand through obstacles that I have victory, but it's another thing to go, I'm okay when there's obstacles, because I understand to get my miracle, I have to depend on a God who can deliver me from everything. Amen? And so it's a mindset that we have to put on of, hey, I understand it's not going to all look perfect. And in our pursuit of joy and and God's best for our life, there's going to be days that don't look like our best days, but in them is our best days. Does that make sense? And so why do we have bad days? We've got to just set it up a little bit. Why do we have bad days? Well, we have bad days because we have an enemy. Because the scripture says that Satan fell from heaven and that he hates us. And in John 10, 10, it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So in order to understand our walk with God, we need to understand you have somebody who hates you and wants to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. But you have a God over here who also wants to give to you abundantly and meet your need. Amen? And so the scripture teaches us to look at things and they wrote in picture, they wrote in story. So when they said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, a good Jewish mind would say, well, how does the thief operate? And so they would start to unravel this idea of, well, how does the thief operate? Well, a thief doesn't what? Reveal its identity. You know, know, they do the mug shots and everybody stands up and you're standing there and they're trying to pick out who's the one. The thief doesn't go like, ha, it was me. You picked the wrong guy. It was me. Why? Because you don't reveal your identity. And uh, the thief doesn't come into the neighborhood and start knocking on doors and like, hey, I'm going to rob you. And I'm just looking to see, does your house have a nice TV? And where do you keep your jewelry and all that kind of stuff? They don't do that. Why? Because a good thief doesn't reveal his identity or his plans. 
right? So that's why Satan is like, hey, uh, I want to come into your life and I want to destroy your life. And here's how I'm going to do it. And these are the things that are going to happen. And then because that's not how it works, he has to keep things concealed and hidden. Has to come in as pride or unforgiveness, right? Right? Has to come in as these things that subtly come in and destroy your life. You know, and so you go into a, a jail and you say, hey, to somebody who murdered somebody, like, hey, did you just wake up and decide one day? No, actually, way back here, as a kid, I started stealing, or I started this, or I started, it starts way back here. Why? Because a good thief never reveals his identity. He starts laying the groundwork in your life in all these other areas, and it turns into something bigger. Amen? So we have to understand that we have an enemy who's trying to destroy your life. And so if we're talking about prison places or ways that uh, we lock up our happiness or we lock up our joy, which will make more sense here in a minute, we have to understand that part of getting to those places is we've bought some lies or we've believed some things from that thief who's trying to steal from us. Amen? Genesis 3.1 shows how it's already starting to happen. Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was craftier than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So what he's doing, so we're talking about Satan here, the enemy. What he's doing is he's coming in, he's starting to mess with that, with, with their head. He's starting to twist things just a little bit. He's starting to take something and just, and just bend it just a little bit. Like, hey, has God really said? Like, that God, what a bummer. Like, he won't even let you eat every tree here? What? That guy's the worst. I can't believe you like that guy. He won't let you eat everything? And the problem with it is he's just, he's just twisting a little bit. But if you look at it here in the chapter before, Genesis 2.15, says, Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden to tend to it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. He said, hey, you're free to eat whatever you want. You're free to eat whatever you want. But then he says this, but of the tree of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Here's how this worked. It would be as if you came over to my house and I was like, hey, thanks for watching the house. The refrigerator's full. Uh, go ahead and have whatever you want. There's the refrigerator. You can eat whatever you want. But that jug of poison that I have in there I wouldn't eat of that, or I wouldn't drink of that, because if you drink that poison, you're going to die. So you're free to eat whatever you want. You can have whatever you want, but because I care about you, I'm telling you, don't eat of that. Is that me being restricting and some evil God trying to put the... No, that's me looking out for you. And so that's what God is doing here. He's saying like, hey, you're free to do whatever you want. You're free to... But hey, it would be better. It's, it's best for you if you don't participate in that. And, and I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and everybody says, teenagers, I say, well, Christianity is so full of rules. There's all those rules. And the thing about the rules are it's God's way of saying to you, hey, if you participate in these things, it's not good. It's not good for you to mess around in these things because this happens. It's better if you live this way. All of God's instructions in scripture are saying, hey, don't participate in that because it's better if you actually live this way because God created us and he knows how you are wired and what's better in your life. Amen? And so the Bible actually has more promises for your life than it does rules or commandments. Amen? And so, so that's one of the ways that it kind of gets twisted. The enemy's coming to you and subtly, I'm not revealing the way that I'm deceiving you, but he just starts messing with our head. He starts messing with our emotions and he says, hey, wouldn't it be better if you did this? Or, and, and it happens to us all the time. The Hebrew name for Satan is Hasatan, which literally translates to the accuser. 
the accuser. And so if in your life you start to feel like, man, I just am not carrying the joy like I want to, or I don't feel happy, I'm not happy or thankful or grateful uh, for the things in my life, I, I'll bet you could trace back voices in your head that the accuser has come in and said, hey, you'll be a little happier if you had this or if you had that. And we've allowed these voices of an accuser to come in and pull us off the course of what we're actually on. So who agrees with me? Amen. Like you can trace back. So, somebody has twisted something and it's, it's we've given voice to. And that's why it's important, like the scripture says, for us to continually renew our minds with the word, with the Bible, with scripture. It's not like God's up there wanting you to just know your memory verses. No, he wants you to keep your mind pure and on holy things. Why? Because then that voice of the accuser doesn't come in and accuse and you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You weren't raised right. You don't have the right background. If it was only five more pounds, if you made this much more money, if you did this, and then I'll be happy. No, that's the voice of the accuser. Somebody say amen. And you're imprisoning yourself in a place that you're not supposed to be because you've given an ear to the accuser, right? And so it's important for us to not buy into the accuser. The scripture says in Genesis, Genesis that God made everything good and he called it good. He called it good. And so everything he created was good. That's good. That's good. That's good. And what happens is Satan is not a creator. He can't create. It's not like, hey, I've just made sin. This is sin over here. I've just made sin. What he has to do is he has to twist what God already created good. And, right? And so any of the sins that actually we participate in is just where we've somehow twisted what God already intended to be good. And so that's why when our marriages have failures and there's cheating and there's all of this, you know, that kind of stuff, what happens is what God created good has gotten twisted through sin and it's fallen off of the way that God created us to be. And so what I want us to understand, and I know this is a lot, a lot of talk, but what I want us to understand is a lot of times when we imprison ourselves or we give up the joy of the Lord or the things, the, the blessing of God in our life, it's because we, we surrendered it. The, there is no doctrine of defeat where the enemy can literally come in and steal from you. We have to, we have to give up in our lives. We have to surrender things through our choices. And you'll say, well, wait a minute. I know good people who've passed away and I know people who's lost kids and, and, and I can have no problem being up here, being the pastor and saying, uh, I don't have an explanation for those things. I don't have an explanation. Someday we'll find out when we get to heaven and I could actually kind of get into scripture and talk about some of this and that. But there's no clear answer on those things about, well, what did they do to cause that to happen? They didn't cause that to happen. Well, how do you know? I don't know. And I'm okay saying that. You with me? Are you okay with that? Um, but here's the deal. I'm saying most of the times in our life, we've taken something where we get in trouble or where we get into sin or where we've gotten off in the ditch or in the pit. We've taken something that God created as good and we let the enemy twist it or distort, distort it. Uh, being confident, I'm confident, I'm proud of this. We've let it get twisted. Confidence is a good thing. Being proud of something is good. But when we let pride set in, it gets just a little bit twisted. And then we think, well, I'm better than them. So it should be me. And, the, and we let that get just a little bit twisted from the way God, I'm an overcomer and I can do all things in Christ. And so I should do everything because I'm the man. No, that's not God's promise to you. <laughs> and so we just let things get a little twisted. Are you with me? And that comes from giving influence to the accuser or to the enemy who's trying to steal from you. And so we surrender it. Um, I thought about this. A lot of times in life, 
we know that we separate. So we put people in prison because we want them to be separated from society. Why? Because they're a danger. They're a danger. So why would the enemy try to mess with you and get you caught in things that imprison you in life? Because you're a danger to the kingdom. He wants you bogged down in all this foolish living and all this poor thinking and all this ridiculousness. Why? Because if you live the way God created you to, do, to live, think of the effectness, effectiveness you'd have in the kingdom. Amen? And so the idea is like, hey, if we get them tangled up in this, if we can get them in the rat race of working too hard because they want a bigger house and a nicer car, if we get them all stuck in that, then they won't be a danger to me because they're not actually living for the kingdom. They're living for their own kingdom. Amen? And so that's one way that the imprisonment is something we have to be conscious of. First Timothy talks about this. It says, we won't read it, but first Timothy four says, some will abandon their faith and follow deceiving spirits. So in these days, talking of the end, it's saying like some, some of us will do what I'm talking about. We'll give an ear to something that deceives us and takes us into one of those prison places. Um, I thought about for us in our lives, some ways that we do that is you've heard me mention a lot about pride. Um, another one is how we justify addiction. You know, we've just been deceived, you know, well, I was raised that way, or it's always been that way in my family. Or, um, another way that we do it is, um, we, we put stress on a platform. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm so busy and I'm so stressed, but you know, I got to do this and I got to do this. And we justify this really unhealthy way of living because we need to do it, because we got to get this or because we got to get that. And, and the peace of God is not at the center of our life. And so that's one of the ways that you can, be fo- you can follow a deceiving spirit is, uh, is doing that. Now, I thought about this too. Most of us in this room, and I know I'm being really teachy, but I hope you're catching it. Uh, most of us in this room, okay, won't fall into all of a sudden tomorrow, hey, tomorrow, most of us in this room, most Christians aren't going to fall into a heavy addiction, right? So like, hey, uh, next day, hey, do you know, like half a vertical church, they're all selling crack over there in Zealand. They're down there. Well, you know, they never should have let that brewery down there. It's the brewery's fault in Zealand. If we would have kept that thing out of there. Hey, Triple Root has good appetizers. And so God bless that, right? They deep fry stuff there. Amen. Anyway. Nobody's got this church, like, oh my gosh, half of them are all selling crack over there. I can't believe it. Most of us won't fall into like a, a major addiction or fall into this big, great sin. But a lot of us have temptation or where the enemy can take out Christians or take out the kingdom is where we let those little things come in. Like you're, you're hearing me say pride, uh, poor stewardship. God's calling you. He wants you empowered. He wants you to be able to walk in the things you're called to walk in, but you're, you're chasing the next dollar or you're chasing the next thing. And so you miss out on what God has for you because we're not properly being good stewards of what God has actually already put in our life that we should be thankful for. Another way that I think we miss it is God's got all these promises for you in the kingdom of God or in the things of God, but we're so caught up in religious rule keeping that it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to believe God for that or stretch out in faith for more of this because I'm really busy over here keeping these little things in order. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? So a lot of times we can be so distracted being a good Christian that we miss out on being the Christian God called us to be. You say, what are you talking about? Like, I'm talking about how instead of just keeping the rules of I'm going to study and I'm going to pray and I'm going to bless my family, being people that are like, hey, what can I do in the community? How can I reach others? How can I give back instead of just keeping 
myself squeaky clean. Amen? Those types of things, if we struggle and we make justification for all of these things that are in our life, it's evidence that we've been caught up in imprisonment. Paul said five times in scripture that God delivered me from my prisons. Of course, he was talking about literally being imprisoned, but five times he was delivered from imprisonment. Why? Because God's design is not for you to be caught up in things and imprisoned in things. God's design is for you to be free. Somebody say amen. Paul said this, I have had many prisons and chains, but even my chains praise the Lord. If he thought that powerful enough to put it in scripture, couldn't you say that in our lives, no matter what comes, we have the ability to make it praise the Lord? Whatever comes our way, whatever chains may be bound, if, if he put it in scripture, if he believed it enough for you to know it, then we should know enough that no matter what comes your way, you can make that thing praise the Lord. Amen? Romans 8, 6 says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's what I was talking about earlier when I said we can't just look at all the things of the world and all the, we have to renew our minds with the things of the spirit because that's where you're going to stay free from a prison place. If you allow your outlook to be formed by human nature, then the result in that is death. The scripture saying for you to be carnally minded or earthly minded is death, but for us to be thinking of the things of the spirit is life. I don't at the end of my life want to be on a deathbed Hopefully never on a deathbed. So if I'm like 90, you have permission to just hit me with a truck or something. I don't want <laughs> I shouldn't say that. That's awful to say. But uh, I don't, at the end of my life, want to sit there and look back and be, man, wonder what I could have done. But I let all of this poor thinking, all of this imprisonment thinking, all of this imprisonment ha habits, all of these things, I've let all of these things hold me back from living the free life that God called me to live just because I wanted to keep a grudge or because I wanted to stick it to somebody or I wanted to prove somebody wrong or prove right. I don't want to be the person at the end of the day who has this clipboard of this score that I kept. That's prison living. Somebody say amen. If you allow, like I said, your outlook to be formed by human nature, the result is not good. Scripture said this, uh, I didn't write this down, but in order for us to break our prison spirits, the scripture says oftentimes in our life, we have to prophesy to our lives. It says we have to make war by prophecy, meaning using our words, we have to speak into our atmosphere. We have to claim the word. We have to speak things over our life because life and death is in the power of the tongue. What's on your tongue is in your future. That's good. I see you all wrote that down. That's really good. Let's study that this week. What's on your tongue is in your future. What you are today is probably a result of what you said a few years ago, what you continue to say about yourself. We got to speak life. The revelation, your revelation of where you're going has to be bigger than your situation or you'll quit. And so Paul knew, and, and Peter we'll talk about in a minute in prison, knew even though I'm in a place of imprisonment, my revelation is that God is not going to leave me here. Why? Because the scripture said he'll deliver you from all of it. So you have to have an understanding that, hey, it may not be the way that I want it right now, but I can see myself in a better place. And I'm not just talking about heaven. I can see myself in a healthier place, in a more prosperous place. Not that you're chasing the money. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying living in a better place. Two years ago, and this isn't a knock on anybody. My dad is actually here. <laughs> so I don't want you to think like, I can't believe you said that about his parents. Uh, a year and a half ago, I lived in one bedroom up in my parents' house at 30 years old. <laughs> but I had a revelation that it wasn't going to be forever. Somebody say amen. Dad, say amen. Right? Dad, right? Um, okay. Here's the deal. Here's what I'm saying. 
this, what I see now, I had a revelation of two, three years ago. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. I didn't know your faces, but I knew that someday this room would be filled with people sitting here tolerating my preaching. And uh, <laughs> you can laugh at that. <laughs> um, okay, thanks, Travis. <laughs> Fake laughing at my preaching. <laughs> thanks, Travis. Um, but, but honestly, I wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for the revelation that I saw years ago. So I got out of places that felt like, man, maybe did I make a mistake? I'm 30 years old. I'm living upstairs in my parents' thing. This is crazy. Like, I'll, I'll leave out the jokes anyway. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it out. So anyway, um, I had a revelation of where we were going and we're thankful for that place. We wouldn't be here, right? So you'll be able to look back and go, hey, thankful that that was a part of it, but God delivers us. And so again, I don't want you to think like, oh man, he hated it there. We're blessed to have that opportunity. Uh, I don't, but I had a revelation of where we were going. And same thing in a lot of our lives, all we do is we just look at our surroundings. I'm in prison. I'm in prison. Look at me. I'm stuck. Yeah, but what? What after that? What do you see after that? Do you see yourself there forever? Or do you see yourself getting out of there? And I think a lot of successful people have the ability to discern where they are, but more importantly, where they're going and who can help get them there. Amen? So we have to have a revelation uh, bigger than ourselves. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. I'll wrap up here in just a minute. Acts 12, 5. Kind of lengthy, I'll read it, and then we'll break it down. It says, Peter, therefore, kept in prison, was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. I want to point something out. He was connected to his church. Therefore, they knew when he was in prison, therefore, they could pray for him. If you're not connected to your church, we can't pray for you when you're in your prison. Somebody say amen. That's why it's important for us to come to church often. And get connected and be involved. Go to Bible study. Somebody say amen. That part was for somebody else, not you. So that was not for you. So, <laughs> so his church is praying for him. Verse 6, and it says, And when Herod was brought about, when, and when Herod, Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Verse seven, now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly and the chains fell off his hands. Verse eight, which is like one of the funniest scriptures in scripture. Verse eight says, then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie up your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garments and follow me, which it was like literally hit him. Dude, get dressed. <laughs> like that's a hilarious thing to put in scripture. The angel came and was like, hey, you got to get dressed and follow me. And they put it in scripture. <laughs> Verse nine. And when he went out and followed him, because you could have just picked up here. And so when he went out and followed him, he did not know what was done. He did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. There's oftentimes in your walk with God that when you are speaking life over your situation and you're warning with prophecy over your life, God will show up in an encounter so great that you literally go, did that just happen? Was that real? Did God really do that in my life? Because it's a promise that happened here and it's something that is still a promise to you. Scriptures tell us that we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. In your life, you can hold a joy or hold a happiness or hold a peace in your life that surpasses any kind of understanding like what we just saw here. I don't even understand how this is happening in this situation. It must be God, amen? So you can wake up amid, in the middle of everything 
and still praise God and read your word and worship and reach people because there is a God who's, who's, who's ready to come into your jail situation, hit you on the side, be like, get dressed. We got to get out of here. You don't have to be in that prison place anymore. Amen. Lauren, you can come play. I got three points I want you to take home. If you forget anything, forget everything I said up to this and take these three points home. Uh, these three points I want you to write down. Three prisons that I wrote out that I see people stay stuck in, including myself, the most in life. These three prisons. One prison is when something happens in your life, you become a person who curses it. And you stay a person who curses that prison. So a bad situation happens in your life, and it's terrible, and we all agree it was terrible. You shouldn't have lost your job. That thing shouldn't have happened to you. You were done wrong. Whatever it is that's now thrown you in a pit or a prison, don't become a person who continually lives to curse it. It happened, and you're anger and bitter and anger and anger, and all you do is live out a life cursing that thing that happened to you. The scripture says that God promises a way of escape. I love this saying, you will never reach the palace talking like a prisoner. So something happened and you're trying to get out of it and you want to get out of that situation, but all you're being is the person who's cursing where you were, where you are, nothing's good enough and nothing. And so you're the person who's constantly cursing at that situation that happened. We have to be a people who don't curse the prison, but we embrace it and understand it for what it is in our life, something that God can deliver us from. I think about the cross. Think about it. Oh, what a prison and this cross on his back and this thing, and he's got to die for our sins. The cross had hard words and hard wood and hard nails. It was a very hard thing, but he didn't curse it. He endured it, and he was delivered from it and empowered through it. Somebody say amen. The same thing can happen in your life. Don't curse those moments. Don't curse the things. Be somebody who is overcoming it and then empowered by it. Amen? Well, I don't feel like it. I, feel, I don't feel it. Well, Jesus didn't feel like it. When it comes to breaking out of your prison, you need to know this, that the mirror is your only competition. In your life, your mirror is your only competition. You. So oh, I'm in this thing and I got this thing and I want to curse it and I want to curse it and I want to curse it. Well, what are you going to do? Look at the mirror and make a decision. Are you going to trust God to deliver you or are you going to continue cursing it? A number two mistake that I see happen all the time is people nurse it. They nurse their prison that they got put in. Well, you don't understand. This happened to me and this thing happened and I need to nurse it and nurse and it happened and, uh, and I'm hurt just a hurt person right now. Instead of trusting God for more, I'm going to stay in this thing forever and keep nursing it. Now listen, I understand stuff is really hard and it takes time to heal. I'm not like making fun of that. That's why we have Vertical Healing Center. We have a place to get counseling and prayer. That's why we have a prayer team that's willing to pray with you at all times. I believe in stuff happens and we need help, but we don't need to nurse it in the sense that we're actually just feeding it. Instead of healing from it, we're feeding it. And so I see a lot of people, they're nursing their jails. Well, they never did this for me and this never happened and they didn't do that right and they just keep nursing it and nursing it and it grows into something unhealthy. What you feed grows. So stop making your prison larger. 
believe God to deliver you from it. Amen? I had this person, uh, had a whole bunch of former student of mine, had this really rough stuff happen in her life, and she was at this really critical point. And it was like, hey, she can, she can take steps out of it. She can, like you saw the prison door was opening. Like, oh, it's opening. And I see good things and healthy things. I was like, yeah, this is great. And it was like our heart. We've been praying for it. And you're like, oh, this is it. This is happening. And this person had this friend who constantly was telling her, um, well, you know, I'm just here for you. Um, this is just your burden to carry. And, uh, you know, I'm here with you. And we're like, no, she's free. The door's open. Run. Stop talking about it. Stop nursing it. And I've never been more Mm, than I was in my life at that person. Um, and so, and, and here's why. Because so many times, I guess the lie of like church or Christianity or whatever is we've twisted this take up your cross into like, I have to stay this miserable bound person because it's my cross to, no, God has set you free. And it's not for you to rehearse and stay in and go back and burden and do No, God wants you free. Okay. And so my encouragement, like don't, don't nurse those things. We've all been dropped on our head in life. Yes. And it hurts and it needs to be nursed. But do it like we do for our kids. Like, oh, here's your Doc McStuffins sticker. Get out of here. Because <laughs> we're probably a lot like my two-year-old. We probably actually don't need a Band-Aid probably just need to suck it up and trust God. <laughs> Amen. So don't, don't nurse it. Don't nurse it. I love this thought. When I lost all my excuses, I found my results. Isn't that the case? Like when we stop making excuses and nursing it, we find what we're actually looking for or the help. Jack Dempsey was a heavyweight fighter and he's one of the only boxers to actually kill a man in the ring. And he fought this guy named Gene Tunney. But the story about Gene is he didn't really measure up. He wasn't really, you know, he was a good fighter, but he didn't really compare to Dempsey. But in his life before boxing, or actually a part of boxing, he actually broke his hand. He broke all the bones in his hand. And that's when everyone was like, he's done. He broke all the bones in his hand. How's he gonna be a boxer? But the way that those things healed, they healed stronger. And so after he beat Dempsey, they said, well, he wouldn't have been able to beat Dempsey if he never broke his hand. <laughs> they flipped it the other way. But the way that it healed and the way that he gained strength was, was this idea that sometimes in life, the broken things are what actually teach you to be better. And that's how he fought better. And that's how he got better in the link. And so sometimes in our life, whether it be a prison that we don't deserve to be in, actually teaches us to be a better people. I love this thought. You'll never meet an unscarred champion. There's nobody who stands as a champion who's never been on the ground, KO'd, scarred, beat up, and dropped on their head, as I said, because it just doesn't exist. We have, to, we have to go through some things. And I'm not saying God puts you in prison and that's what his design is for you is to be in a prison. But what I am saying is, like just sometimes there's scars. And the thing about scars his scar on our body, that skin is tougher skin. It's just tougher skin on your body. That's just how it is. And, and I think that's sometimes what God uses. And the last part, the third part is this. We have to stop rehearsing 
our prison moments or the things that put us in prison. So often we got to tell the story again. 10 years later, hey, how you doing? How's it going? You meet somebody, how's it going? Oh, you like pizza? Yeah, I like pizza. Except for one time and they bring you all the way back <laughs> to something that has nothing to do with pizza. And they're still rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing. God's design is not for you to continue to rehearse your prison. He wants to deliver you of them. Hey, get dressed, get out of here. Get healed up, get healed up, get re- but don't rehearse it. A lot of us become like the elephant. We all know the story. The elephant gets put on that rope. As he grows up, he's on that rope or that chain and it can hold him when he's little, but they don't ever have to change the chain when he gets bigger. Why? Because he's rehearsed that it holds him. So an elephant could totally rip that thing out of the ground and go, but he's rehearsed that this thing is gonna hold me. And a lot of us do the same thing in our life. We rehearse, well, I can't do that, or I can't do this, or I can't trust God, because that thing there, remember that happened and that held me, and so I can't do it now, and it's not true. God doesn't want you to rehearse those moments in those jail places, amen? We actually have to be a people who don't rehearse it, we reverse it. You take your obstacle and make it your opportunity. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament in jail. He took his obstacle and made it his opportunity. We as a church need to be a people who, whatever comes, hey, we made a mistake, I found my, I've lost my joy, I've lost my whatever, but I trust God that he can deliver me from it and that I can be a better place for it, amen? Why don't you stand? The scripture says in Romans 16, 20, it says, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And the problem that I see with too many Christians is we don't stick around long enough for the soon. We don't trust God enough in the soon. The scripture says that the number one word, or scripture doesn't say this, but the number one word in scripture used with faith if you study the number one used in comb- word used in combination with the word faith is actually patience. Scripture says through faith and patience, he inherited the promise. The problem is there's too many hyper-spiritual Christians that when they're in the, and soon God will come and deliver us and, and you're in the waiting, that's where we quit. Well, I'm gonna, it's not working. I'm gonna go over here and start this new thing. And I'm gonna go over here. God's now called me over to this thing. God's now called me over to this thing. It's like, Man, is he getting like schizophrenic in his old age? Because he's having you do a lot of different, who's with me? God has called a lot of quitters, apparently. Like a lot of people just quitting on things. Is that, you guys, no. I love this thought. You can only bloom where you're planted. It's the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Sometimes you're being delivered. It's just being in a place where you're like, God, I'm here and I'm planted and I trust you and I am speaking your word over my life and I know that you're gonna deliver me. (laughs) Why wasn't Peter dressed? Because he was sleeping in his prison. I believe he was in a place where he was like, hey, God's got me. (laughs) I'm gonna take a little nap here. (laughs) And I'm not saying we go home and sleep on God because we got work to do, we got stuff to do. But God can be a God who can deliver you from something when you just stay in it and trust him. We're not called to be quitters and movers and grass greeners on the other side, amen? God wants to be people 
who God wants us to be a people who trust him, knowing that he can deliver us. And I believe that that, that is how we walk in the blessed life and the way that God's called us to do is when we understand we have an enemy who's trying to deceive us, but we have a God who can deliver us and we don't have to fall victim or bait to those things. Amen. Watch you bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going we're gonna to all pray this out together. If you've never made a commitment for Christ and today you say, hey, I, I want to make a decision for God. I want to choose to follow him. Uh, I'll lead us in a prayer here in a minute and you can be in on that. But also if you're in here and you're like, hey, I'm, I, I got a couple prisons that, that are maybe holding me up. Maybe you're not in a prison, but you feel like a couple chains are getting put on you or you're being led a certain way. Today, those chains can be removed. Today, those doors can be opened. You say, but Pastor Josh, I've been dealing with this for like 15 years, 20 years. My whole life, I've been stuck in this thing. It's okay. He can come in, shine the light, shake the jail, and you can be set free. He said, come, follow me. Let's get out of here. I believe that same call is being made to you this morning. So as I pray this out, believe that you can leave here set free. Don't rehearse it. Don't nurse it. Don't, none of that stuff we talked about. Be somebody who, who says, okay, God, today is a new day. I'm trusting you to lead me out of these afflictions. You're a God who can deliver. Let's pray. God, we, all of us come to you. The scripture says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can come to you and access grace. And Lord, I speak grace into every situation, into every life. Lord, whether we're either being deceived by wrong thinking, we're listening to the enemy or the thief or the accuser. Lord, I pray right now that as we shared the word, Lord, our minds are being renewed according to your word. Lord, I pray that habits and false thinking be broken in Jesus' name. Lord, whatever situations may be binding us, we rebuke and we say that those will no longer hold your children. Lord, we speak life into every situation. Lord, we believe that just as you shook a cage, you shook a jail, Lord, you can shake chains and walls off of our lives and set us free. God, I pray that we aren't a people who rehearse and nurse and go over the same things and, and, and curse situations that have happened to us. Lord, we, we ask for freedom in all those areas. Lord, we believe by your Holy Spirit, you can do that. Lord, for those of us that are making a decision for the first time for you this morning, Lord, I pray encouragement into their lives. Lord, the scripture says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Lord, whatever forgiveness of their sins need to take place, Lord, I pray that you walk them in confessing that. Our prayer team will be here for them to walk in that. But Lord, I, I thank you that today is a new day and you are God who is still on a throne, willing and able to set us free. In Jesus' name.